Good afternoon, Richard. How are you? Very good, Andy. Um, so this is our first podcast. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. It and uh, after at least one practice. So. Exactly. Um, so we'll give you a bit of background on who we are. I'm going to introduce uh, Richard and Richard's going to introduce me. Shall I go first or would you like to? Oh, you can go first. And um, depending on how nicely you do it will depend on how nice I am to you. Okay. So I met Richard Fitzpatrick um, 11 years ago. Uh, when I was taking a group out uh, onto um, Osprey Reef, uh, which is out in the Coral Sea, it's about 30 hours steaming out of Port Douglas. And uh, we were on a boat called the Undersea Explorer, which had a very flat hull. It was like a barge. It was a barge, essentially, and it bumped around like crazy on the way out there, but was an amazing um, place to be, to be diving in the ocean uh, or diving in the Coral Sea. Um, for me, uh, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life going out there back there in 2007. Well, the Coral Sea or meeting me? Definitely both, obviously, Richard. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And um, who did we have with us? We had... Elka we had... Graham. She's a Olympic swimmer. That's right. We had Elka and, Graham. That's um, right. Mimi McPherson. Mimi McPherson. Elle McPherson's sister. And we had a TV crew from Channel 10. 10. Uh, Meg. Yep. I think was the uh, presenter. There's a few print journals there as well. There's someone from the New yeah. Idea. Yeah, there was. And you were right. working for WWF at the time. I was um, head of campaigns for WWF. That's exactly You're right. A, you were a panda. I was a panda, and um, I had just done my first Earth Hour. That was where I was. So you uh, started Earth Hour, didn't you? I started Earth Hour. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is that the biggest accomplishment of your life besides getting married and your wonderful oh, children? That is such a good, good way of putting that. That's exactly right. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> <laughs> totally right. Now, I don't know if it's an accomplishment being married, but um, probably an accomplishment for my wife. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, so um, yeah, but that was 11 years ago. And then I came back here last year to start working on Citizens of the Great Barrier Reef, which I'm sure you're going to introduce very kindly, um, to start working on a reef again after 10 years being away. Nice. Um, but you, in the meantime, have been doing all sorts of docos for people like the BBC. Mm -hmm. You win some sort of Emmy or something? Yeah, got an Emmy along the way. Um, yeah. Was yeah. that the greatest accomplish accomplishment you've had, apart from being eaten by, nearly eaten by a great wife? Well, I didn't go to the Emmy Awards because you had to wear shoes. That's such and a I'm not, I'm not a good loser either. I would have been one of those people. In the, I've been nominated once before and lost. Did you I go didn't to, go to that one Did either. you go to that one? Nah, no. Did they film you from your house? Nah. Yeah. So, anyhow. But yeah, did that. So, yeah, did the BBC Barrier Reef series, just did the... David Attenborough Barrier Reef Series, yep. a lot of reef series, a lot of travel around the world filming. So pretty one-dimensional is what you're saying? Yep. Okay. Just yeah. doing filming and my shark research. Yeah. And what's the shark research? That's the, um, my favorite bit of that is, aren't you the guy that worked out how to make a tiger shark fall asleep by pulling it backwards? No, not pulling it backwards, but just grabbing them by the pulling tail. Pulling it off? <laughs> yeah. So now I still work on tiger sharks and reef sharks, so. Okay. Yeah. So bounce between sharks and filming. Before we started this podcast the other day, uh, Richard and I were having a beer and I was um, talking about the Humboldt squid. And we won't talk about it this, um, this podcast, but it's uh, probably one of my favorite Richard stories. So there's a little teaser for you. Um, if anybody actually listens to this, if you want to hear Richard's Humboldt squid where he gets attacked and nearly killed, um, you know, let us know. Exactly. Okay. I'm so still I've doing dumb you. things. Um, do, you, do you want to introduce me or did you actually do it already? I did it through that, didn't we? I don't care. So, so, yeah. but, I mean, you're here running Citizens of the Great Barrier Reef, mm. which is, you know, obviously getting the general public involved. 
with the reef and how they can actually take care of it by doing things particularly when it comes to reducing carbon emissions so mm. trying to get citizens of the world being citizens of the reef yeah. only like this week we were just talking about it earlier but i just saw something on facebook today about you know using your food scraps at home to make your own gas for cooking what yeah. a wonderful idea there are some crazy statistics out there sort of some of this stuff's driving citizens so the one that I use all the time, so if you know me, you'll be bored by this, but uh, the, the stat that out of all the stuff that we dig out of the ground for everything from energy to making phones to making beer cans, um, only 9% of it is used more than once. So that's what's putting all the plastic into the oceans, the carbon into the atmosphere, and uh, it's basically massive, uh, unsustainable inefficiency. So yeah, Citizens is all about both that you know, how can you um, take action wherever you are in the world? But Check also... out the website. There's lots of actions you can do. Exactly. I've signed up for a few. You, good. Including not using any more straws ever again. And the good news about that is you shouldn't use a straw when drinking beer. So, yay. Now, well, that's, that's... I didn't know I was already helping. Yeah. Well, you were using straws with your beer, though, just as a quick reminder. No, I wasn't. Can't drink special. beer with a straw. Um, Anyhow, did you know? Did you know that there is a um, a project run by a girl called Nicole Nash, who is a bit of a champion for us at Citizens, who has managed to get fifty of the boats here on the reef to oh, go uh, straw free. Go straw free. I saw that. And in a couple of weeks' time, actually in one week's time, we'll be trying to go after all the other boats on the, on the reef to see whether we can get just a complete end of plastic straw use across the whole of the reef. So. If you're a, if you're an operator, help us with that. We're going to send. We're going to publish the list of all the boats that have uh, taken part at the end of um, at the end of March. So um, that's a really good um, name and shame them. I like to think of it the other way around no, as promote. positive promotion yes, of the ones that have done the right thing, idea. then naming and shaming all those who can't be asked. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So what's on the agenda today? Well, on the agenda today we have the weather. The weather's amazing at the moment. We'll come back to it. Yeah. Uh, we've got Crown of Thorns, Ooh. a general reef update. Ah. We've got um, we've got some big names coming out on the reef and some big names involved in reef conservation. So we thought we'd have a little. What talk people about with that. really long names or just giant people? Just giant people. Very large yeah, people. Very large people. Um, so we'll talk a bit about that, and um, I think that's probably uh, the main stuff for the day. Cool. So should we start off with? Um, status of the reef and the weather. Yeah, well, it's a pretty amazing time of year. You know, the, luckily this year is not as hot as the last previous two. So the previous two years, we obviously had the back-to-back -back bleaching. But this year has been, you know, constant wind, quite a bit of cloud cover. So the reef hasn't heated up as much as it did in the previous year. So it's giving the reef a good old bit of a break from the hammering. Um, and just last night, I mean, the electrical storms off North Queensland, all the way from Townsville up, just been amazing nice. i sat on the beach last night for about eight hours filming with a camera that does a thousand pictures a second so you could film the bolts of lightning hit, hitting the water it's just spectacular it was pretty cool last night i was on my balcony uh looking at the lightning storm that was sitting out over over the reef and um yeah my dog was convinced that by barking at the lightning it would stop um which it didn't but um no it was spectacular and it's very different from last year where we had uh, not very much rain, not very much not cloud much cover. Yeah, the cloud cover is really helping keep, keep that keep, heat keep down, down and, yeah. and the breeze. And um, and obviously all the rain as well, you know, it breaks that temperature regime as well. Because it's funny, if you come here as a, uh, on holiday and you go out on the reef, 
and you see it's a beautiful blue sky you're kind of over the moon that it's a beautiful blue sky and the and the, and the surface of the water is flat but obviously that's a not good for well not obviously it's just actually not good for the reef no so you need a bit of that uh, cloud cover as rich said to keep the, keep the temperature down and uh, but there is a bit of a side effect on the other side of things which is the runoff right yeah so you know runoff is probably the biggest domestic issue we've had on the barrier reef for the last you know, 150 years is just all the nutrients coming off the land from the farming and urbanization and you know just all because australia is a nutrient poor continent and that's why we had the reef off here in the first place because it was clear waters low in sediment and low in nutrients but lo and behold in the last 150 years we've come along and you know ripped all the mangroves out and you know put these um cane fields along the um the coast this really good friend of mine russell kelly who's a who's a scientific writer he calls the um, the coastal growth of Queensland the festering scab laying between two world heritage areas. Oh. It's a pretty so interesting th way to think of Were the mangrove time. swamps removed for the cane farms, is that? Oh, mangrove swamps and Melaleuca. It was mainly a lot of the lowlands where the cane is now was Melaleuca lowlands. Yeah, right. And so it was marshy, a lot of freshwater, but it was a big nutrient sink. And because we weren't ripping up the soil at that stage too, there wasn't that much to, for it to trap. Yeah. But, you know, for all those wetlands to be removed and then replaced by um, cane fields, so it's, it's had a dramatic effect. So that's why, you know, the government's putting so much money into trying to improve things. But, you know, you go to a lot of the inshore reefs, um, you know, like Middle, Middle Reef off Townsville or, you know, some of the inshore reefs of Sundays or Coast. Mm. You know, a lot of the reefs are now buried under mud. You know, you look at the historical photographs where we used to have the Barrier Reef on the mainland in quite a few locations. You know, the Great mm. Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority has this amazing set of photos where they have the old historical photos from 200 years ago. And yeah. they went back and took photos in the last 10, 15 years, exact locations. And what were beautiful coral gardens is now just mudflats, you know. So we have dramatically altered the, um, the coastline and the inshore reefs have been dramatically impacted by it. Uh, luckily, you know, the sediment nutrients don't expand all the way up to the outer reef where, you know, mm -hmm. everyone sort of focuses on the tourism. But, you know, to think that we did have these amazing reefs in close once upon a time, is, um, it's a bit sad. Yeah, that's, that, is, that is pretty sad, isn't it? Actually, the saddest one, only, it was only last year, I was back at Orpheus Island at the research station. where so I did Orpheus my... is down near Townsville, right? <clears throat> yeah, it's between Cairns and Townsville. Mm. Um, and there's a research station there for James Cook University and I did my undergraduate degree there and I remember being out on the reef top at low tide you mm. know with little squares measuring and counting corals and all that kind of stuff when I was there last year I walked to the edge of the reef in bare feet it was pure mud all uh, the way out to the reef edge it just been buried from the and which river is that coming out of? Uh, so that's on the southern side of Hinchinbrook Island. So, you know, you've got mm. all that massive amounts of cane uh, on the mainland Hinchinbrook. around the Hinchinbrook area. So, yeah. Because that's an amazingly beautiful area as it's well. beautiful, but it's just amazing to think that you could, you know, mm. sort of however many years ago when I was an undergrad that you would have lacerated your feet on living coral walking out to the reef edge. Now it's just buried under this fine, fine, fine silt. Mm. So it, it apparently it was just dumped up on the reef top after a couple of cyclones. <clears throat> so all that sediment's been sitting out in the channel, but then you have these big storm events that just rip it Lift up it and up. then deposit it. Yeah, right. So then I was thinking, how do you rehab an area like this? How do you rehab an area like that? I don't think is it, you is could. It possible? Because then, you know, let's say you use jets of water to shoot it off the mm. reef. 
and you're just putting it back in the um, in the ocean, mm. and then another storm event's going to come through and just dump it back up again. So you'd physically have to remove it, and then where are you going to dump it? So, but but yeah. this is sort of like I mean I t- totally understand. So but this is sort of story of the reef, isn't it? I mean the, the, there are we're going through another massive change. Yes. And it's not just climate, although climate is well, the biggest driver. We've had this massive change because of water quality. Yeah. Now our next change mm. that we're imposing is climate driven. Mm. And then you have other effects, you know, coming out of it like crown of thorns. Oh, Segway. Yeah. See that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seamless. But ju- just on the on the state of the reef back before you segue, before you seem to segue. Yeah. What what the the state of the reef what where where are we with that i mean uh, i've i've been out i've seen good bits and bad bits and yeah well we're shooting a 3d imax movie about the great barrier reef at the moment so we're bouncing up and down the entire reef so there are good parts and bad parts and it's a bit sad now for us to think in our productions that we have to go start you know remembering where the good pockets are particularly here in the northern section. So the, the southern end of the Great Barrier Reef is in pretty good nick at the moment. Mm. So it escaped the last two bleaching events, whereas the far north mm. got hammered. But there's still a lot of pockets in the far north that are still great. And ironically, that's where the liverboard diver boats are going and, yeah. and the tourism because they're trying to pick areas that have really good coral and fish cover. And they're generally at the north and southern ends of reefs, yeah. which are well flushed by oceanic currents. Right. Therefore, they're the ones that did fare the best during the bleaching events because you know they were getting cooler water. Whereas the back reef areas, the lagoonal reefs, where the tourists don't go, where the water sort of ponds up and that they just got absolutely hammered. Uh, so when you're looking at the statistics about how much of the reef is dead and all that kind of stuff, it's it's hard. It, it, it's too hard a thing to go. This is what's happened everywhere. It's there's so much variation along the reef, north to south, east to west, but even within reefs. You know, how the water currents pull and eddy around. Some parts are going to be more resilient than others. So you do find really good pockets still of really nice stuff. You hear of cans and other areas. But then yeah, you could come around a corner where oh, there's a lot of mortality. Um, but you are in a lot of areas starting to see coral recruits from the last year or two, like little nubbins of coral that are coming through, you know, bits that survive the bleaching. You know, so we may be pushing the, the composition of the, of the coral species in a different direction because of climate change where it's, you know, it's, it's sort of adapting to what, what there is at the moment. So, you know, in the far north, or sort of Cairns north, you know, the reef, I, I, I describe it as having a headache, which is also shown by coral spawning this year, which is horrendously bad. Most of the corals didn't, didn't spawn because those that were still alive were still recovering from the previous bleaching event and therefore didn't have the energy to invest in making eggs and sperm for coral spawning. So literally for the Barrier Reef this year, the whole reef pretty well had a headache and mm. spawning Even was very poor. It was, it was as well, right? There was a bit down there, but yeah, it just wasn't as big. You know, we, 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 did this, um, we did this citizen science project with, um, I think it, was, it ended up being 16, between 16 boats and research stations and... And, trying and to keep are, track of where it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we we took um, a feed off a thing called Eye on the Reef. Yep, from the Marine and, Park Authority. Yeah, the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park. Uh-huh. Yeah, and um, uh, and basically coordinated with all the boats and the research stations. We were tapping into that as well. I know, but you got salt water in your di- in, in your engines, and you mate. 
On the last night, yeah. yeah. But where we were, there was no spawning anyhow. So, yeah. But but it's also split spawning. So just as a piece of citizen science, because, you know, the, you, you mean you needed to be out there for at least, even even if you're incredibly good at predicting it, you had to be out there for two nights. And, well, we've got to go with it. and we'll try and do that again next year. Yep. And it'll be interesting to see after hopefully a pretty um, uh, yeah. yeah a bit a bit of a, 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 a an easier year for the reef whether or not we get a better spawning mm. next year but um, I mean obviously the reef needs that for multiple years now oh yeah so we, need, we need a really a really big break um, and obviously you need global action on making sure the temperature isn't just constantly going up but that's I think I think that's the shocking thing for me is when you look at um, all the targets that came out of the Paris Agreement on climate change where are we at almost everyone's missing their targets even you even in the european union they're missing targets by big or small or in some cases by a long way yeah, yeah and right. obviously us has dropped out of the paris agreement um although some states within the us are, are still pursuing it with uh, with vigor um but yeah look i mean i think it's 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 sort of it's it's pretty weird really because there seems to be a real lack of urgency around understanding what the consequences are I mean, always sort of look at the reef stuff and you go, you know, 30% of marine species spend some part of their life on, um, on reefs around the world. And so if you start to get ecosystem collapse there, you have a really big problem, you know, because they're mm. providing at least a billion people with food. But more than that, they're the kind of the system that's providing everything else. I saw some data uh, mapping of industrial fishing. Was, uh, I saw that yesterday. And it said that 50% of the world's oceans are now being industrially fished. So you, you look at these things and you go, oh man, we're out of control at the moment. And, um, you know, the reef, our Great Barrier Reef here, which is, you know, reasonably well managed and um, protected from kind of some of the more crazy active activities, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's stressed. And it should be a big wake up, but it doesn't seem to. Yeah, it seems like this year's, the big push is plastic. Which is good. You, you, you got yeah. Well, I mean, I have a view on that. I mean, I think I think the the, the reason why because we, we're citizens, we we focused on plastic and we did it for a reason. Is somehow you have to get into the psyche of something mm. that people go right. Actually, I have some control over what I can do here. And the thing about plastic, if you take a plastic water bottle, right? We produce a million plastic water bottles, one use plastic water bottles per minute on this planet at the moment. Insane. One use, right? One time use. So, um, and the 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 water bottle industry particularly you know especially obviously where you've got tap water that you can drink was kind of one of the great scams that was invented so in, in a place like Cairns and now putting in water fountains everywhere so you can refill and actually I was talking to the Cape York guys the other day and they were they they they're actually working on a project to put in um, refill stations all the way up to the top which is awesome. kind of cool yeah. Um, but you see the images coming, like Christian Miller, we work with from yeah. Parlay for the Oceans. He's yeah, just yeah. gone to Bali. Oh, oh so my it's God! The images are just like people fishing in creeks. He got, you couldn't even see that it was a creek. It was yeah. just where the plastic was level. No. And then there's mounds of right. mountains of plastic with these brown things on them. Until yeah. he zoomed in on the lens, he didn't realize himself they were cows living and feeding around the plastic. Yeah. It's just insane no i mean so so whilst it i mean the other thing with plastic is obviously plastic's made out of um, oil oil mm -hmm. so um any when you're thinking about emissions when you think about climate change when you think about marine debris well 
almost when you think about it, if you want to pick a symbol of just madness of humanity, you know, what we're really doing wrong, it's a great one to go, right, okay, this is really obvious. We need to kind of stop doing this. Mm. And you can stop doing it. We were talking about straws earlier on. It's completely just not required. So I must say, know, I'm running an experiment at home at the moment. Yeah. So I think it's been, I've got my little bin. Yeah. And I've been putting the packaging into the bin. Yeah. And just trying just to min- pack, just, packaging. just packaging, just yeah. trying to minimize what I buy. You know, I still, yeah. you know, put obviously put the recycles out and stuff like that, but all yeah. that extraneous crap. Yeah. Just to see how much accumulates. But I've been quite more mindful now about when I go shopping about what I buy and all yeah. that kind of stuff to try and minimize but what I mean, it is. It's hard to buy food without packaging. Oh, exactly. But, you know, I'm just more mindful, you know, even taking the bag to my local butcher now to get yeah, stuff yeah. there. But just all that packaging. But, you know, I haven't emptied the bin now in four months. You know, I'm just seeing how long I can go for. Yeah. Just right. to keep a quantify myself what I'm, yeah it's what insane I'm doing, but yeah it's insane but i mean there's i mean if you look across all this stuff things like food waste you know i think it's one in five bags of shopping the average family buys is just thrown in the bin so you got the kind of and food waste massive oh. massive carbon footprint so there's a lot of stuff that you kind of think about and you go right well um and plastic bottles being a brilliant place to start if you haven't started anywhere start there mm. and just kind of get your head into it because it's a bit of a it starts to change how you think it's not about and for me it's you know it's the same with the earth out project it wasn't about perfection it was about well how do you just start to rethink yeah and um obviously we need that on a massive scale if you want to save the reef protect the reef but um anyway yes. uh, we digress probably from our uh, uh our our, uh, our podcast agenda um but um, which, yeah, no, what, which, which i'm sure we'll do every episode yeah, yeah, one would hope right get used to it um, so why don't we talk a bit about Crown of Thorns and um, we were again we were talking about uh, Richard and I were talking about this the other day and Richard um, not so long ago I always had this kind of uh, enjoyment of talking to Richard particularly on the phone because often Richard rings up with the latest way in which he's either been bitten spiked hurt in some way with some sort of marine species well I did almost die last week what was last week man flu well, no, but that's actually serious. That's oh, it actually is. Not, it's very that's serious. Not, um, you can't, can't laugh about that. Can't actually joke about that. Okay, but let's go back to crown of thorns. Because I actually know people who actually died from man. Well, nearly died from man flu, including myself, obviously. Um, but crown of thorns. So the last time you've been spiked by crown of thorns, how many times? A few. Okay, so shall we? Um, let's tell tell the um, the um, well. Let's tell your mum who's listening. Uh, Should we say what a crown of thorns is first? A crown of thorns is, yeah. So it's a starfish. Yeah, it's a large starfish that grows you know, bigger than a dinner plate. And they're famous for eating coral. So for Healthy coral. Healthy coral. So there's lots they of starfish out there that coral. eat lots of things. But all starfish, they have their mouth on the underside. Yeah. And they crawl on top of their food. Yeah. Then they evert their stomach to feed. So the yeah. stomach comes out through the mouth, covers the food. And yeah. in the case of the crown of thorns, it's coral. So then they digest all the poor little coral polyps yeah. and then suck that I, stomach I, back I into their mouth. actually, in the olden days, I actually ate a kebab in that way once. Did you? Yeah. You just put your face in the kebab, I was actually, set your yeah, stomach I'd up onto around, it. I'd had a few ales and I, um, that was the way I uh, ingested. external digestion. Yeah, Impressive. kebab. I was in Newtown in Sydney. Cool. Yeah. Um, but um, so Crown of Thorns has got a pretty bad name for itself now, but actually they are... Um, in the right numbers, uh, you know, they're a natural, uh, they naturally occur on reefs for, oh, yeah. for, for good reason because they, 
they stop the fast, they particularly like the fast growing coral. Yeah, like right? staghorns and plate corals. They yeah. generally leave soft corals and the, and the slow growing corals alone, like priorities and stuff like that. So that's and important so because obviously if, they, if, if uh, the fast growing corals are left to um, rampantly grow fast. They'll act like a weed and overgrow the slow growing exactly. corals. So, so you, you lose your biodiversity. Yeah, that's one thing that people don't understand of coral reefs is destructive forces are part of the construction. Yeah, it's like a bushfire coming through. So whether the bushfire is crown of thorns or a cyclone, just to smash those fast-growing corals down or eat them. In this case, that allows coral diversity. But it's when we get these massive plagues, quite frequently, where you can get devastation of coral reefs on a large scale. And and uh, they recently reported a, a big outbreak on Swains Reef, which is yeah, that's... sort of off the southern end of. Yeah, it's where the barrier the swings right out down the south yeah. uh, east corner. That's the first time that we've had a mass outbreak down there. So one of the theories of the outbreaks is that um, when crown of thorns are larval and they're drifting around as part of the plankton, yeah. they actually feed on phytoplankton, so the, the plant plankton. Yeah. And one of the theories and thoughts is that the increased nutrients leads to more phytoplankton, so therefore they get a bit of a boost in survivorship. And so, you know, when the stars align, you can get these mass numbers some year. But does that work if you're out on Swains Reef, which is quite a long way out there, isn't it? I mean, that's less, less likely to be affected by the kind of runoff nutrients, but is it the currents that's doing that? What's well, no, it could reckon? be also that coming at the end of this whole event. So mm. during the summer months, we have the, um, the southeast current. So, you know, you've got this current sweeping down from the north, down towards the south on the, the reef, which is As quite crushed. The, the Nemo. Nemo, Nemo movie, yeah. yeah. The um, EAC, dude. Yeah. Um, and so what happens with a Cranthorn's plague is when they eat out a reef, they'll die. Yeah. That's it. They don't walk to the next reef. What they do to get to the next reef is they spawn. And these guys are very fecund, which means they can re reproduce lots and lots of eggs, and they That's have a, very cool. high fertilization rate. And so even a slight minuscule percentage chance increase because of, you know, favorable conditions, you can end up with a plague. And so then the crown of thorns will hop, skip and jump yeah. down the length of the Great Barrier Reef. But historically, the EAC sweeps them out off sort of around the Sundays area. Yeah. That's where it ends. But what's happened now is that the, they've managed to hop, skip and jump, maybe because of climate change, current changes and all that so kind of stuff. Potential current all changes. the way down. Yeah. So, that's so this is one of the things when I first came back to the reef a year a year ago, one of the things you kind of really realise is that it's been, you know, we're at a time where we still don't have absolute real-time data on what's going on with the currents, what's going on with... I mean, there's a massive opportunity to kind of look at... You're opening a beer. Possibly. Okay. You can open your beer there. But, I mean, real-time monitoring of the barrier, it's a big system. You know, and yeah. getting the data is just phenomenal. And like, and then what scale do we need to be looking at too? So we, one of the projects that we're um, it's totally a pilot project um, that um, we're, we're working on with a company called Fleet Space, and at the moment they've got one pilot monitoring um, uh, system out near Green Island, which is off Cairns, um, and 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 the idea of that is is you know it's the first test monitoring station but the idea is to have literally thousands of those all up and down and they're the using micro satellite nano satellites nano satellites yeah so cool the idea tech. is yeah cool right so the, the idea is to have a system of nano satellites thousands of them 
mapping it so you can have internet of things not just on the reef but kind of you can have that you know to map nature across the planet and I would think that that, that has potentially inherent issues with it but um, yeah I mean there's, a, there's some amazing tech out there like the Australian Institute of Marine Science has a couple of real-time data feeds back through yeah but they're connected to um, 3G next yeah, year, yeah, so they're yeah, limited yeah. to the range where yeah, they can, right. the locations can be, and all that kind of stuff. But no, I love know, the idea of the nano solo because just because you can put sounds cool bloody too. everywhere. Yeah, and it sounds cool. So the crown of thorns. Yeah. So where were we? Yeah. So I so, mean, they're called crown of thorns because they're also covered in spines. And 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 the yeah. spines are very sharp, and they're covered in a serious amount of ouch. <laughs> so. You, you don't want to spike yourself on one, which uh, I have done a few times. Now, um, I know the, the 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 guys who do the crown of thorns removal, or they inject them with um, vinegar. Now. Vinegar, right? And is um, it ca- and cow bile. Yeah. So so this is kind of um, an eradication, not an eradication program, but a control program. We'll come to it. We'll talk about that in a sec. But um, I know that they are not allowed to get... If they get spiked twice, they're not allowed to keep working on the boats. Really? After, yes. I think it's three spikes and you're out. <laughs> Man, I would have been kicked off years how many, ago. How many spikes do you have? Oh, what does it feel remember. like? Ouch. It hurts. No, but it, it, okay, it, so the last one was a really good one. So I was, we're doing a shoot for... I think it was National Geographic, and it was a really tight time schedule. I'd come off of another shoot, and the producer had flown in that day, yeah. and... Um, our production manager guaranteed that you know, I was going to do five days work in three days, which meant I had to work night. So early that morning, I, I chuffed off to the reef to collect the crown of thorns. So, so you're a bit essentially a bit dappy at this point. I was. Yeah. Okay. But I did remember to take my barbecue tongs. Okay. So I had the, found the crown of thorns, had the barbecue tongs, and I was lifting it up to drop it in the bucket. Yeah. And it slid down the barbecue tongs, uh-huh. and a spine went in the tip of my. <laughs> Middle finger straight down through. Your mum right now is just going, oh. And it snapped off. And I knew it had snapped off, and I was like, oh, so, this so is. So step back one second. If you get spiked by a crown of thorn spike, let's just say without it going right down the center of your finger underneath the nail. Yeah. But before that, let's just say you get spiked on the thigh or something. What does it feel like? Is oh, it like a bee sting? No, no. It's more the pain initially is from the penetration of the, of the, of the bark. Spike. Yeah. And then the epidermis, the skin, yeah. has um, little poison glands all through yeah. it, or venom glands. And um, so then after a period of time, yeah. that pain starts to kick in, like five, ten minutes later, it really starts to throb. Yeah. And um, it's just one of those dull, aching pains that just builds and builds and builds. So I drove the boat back, and I had to film um, crocodiles all day, <laughs> and so... I was working. You still feel, had the spine, still had the spine finger. in my finger. Luckily, the first night, I didn't have to work all night. And I'd already mentally decided at the end of the day shoot, I was going to go to the hospital. And it was a public holiday. I can't remember which one it was. But anyhow, just after lunch, I told Hannah, our production manager, to go to the pharmacy to get the most painful, the powerful painkillers she could get without a script. Yeah. Because, yeah, it was really hurting. And then... So well, Hannah, Hannah enjoys seeing you in pain, though. Right? So she would have got you some. Should have got you some light. Aspirin. She's just got me some placebo, I think. You know, <laughs> yeah. Jelly beans, take this. So anyhow, the pain was really starting to build during the day, in the afternoon in particular, and you know, sweat, and it was, it was a real full-on thumping ache. Yeah. And and we had the camera on this jib arm. Now, jib arm is those big telescopic arms where you got the yeah. camera way at the end. 
But to counter it, you have to put all these dumbbell weights at the other end yeah. to counter the weight. And it was literally the last shot of the day and the tripod snapped at the base and the whole camera rig started to fall with a very expensive camera heading towards the water yeah. with the crocodile in it. And I reached where out. Were you, where were you filming the crocodile? Oh, just at our studio at JCU where we got... Oh, you know, so it's not... Ju- the little guy. Only little guys. Yeah, not yeah, big ones. Because you were big in that up. I was big in that up. No, yeah, it was only little ones. Seven metres long. Yeah. And when I reached yeah. out to grab the jib arm before it, the camera hit the water, because the jib arm has a scissor point, my hand went through the scissor point and then the whole thing pinned my um, my left hand. And so I had like Spike 20 kilograms at one end, 20 kilograms at the other in my hands in, this, in the pinch point. And so then I very calmly suggested to Hannah and the producer, you know, if they could dismantle the rig, you know, to get my hand out, which took about another five minutes. Yeah, I was being very, you obviously up, very calm at the time. Yeah, not. yeah, yeah. And then at that no, stage, no, I mean, as as you would know, as you would know, as you would know Rich's mum, uh, Rich does cry easily, oh. um, especially over emotions. But um, so you went to hospital. Did the nurse faint or something? Was that? No, you can't end up there, dude. Yeah. So I rocked up, and I was thinking, yeah, the doctors I know, being a public holiday, won't yeah. be here. Thank God. Yeah. So I won't get grief from the guys I know. And I rocked up, and they're all on. So they just, you know, flicked me an endome while I went off to x-ray. Yeah. Luckily, where my hand got wedged yeah. in the rig, hadn't broken. Yeah. So it, it hurt. I mean, mind you, I rocked up at the front desk at the hospital, two hands raised in the air. And they're like, so what's happened? I go, well, crown of thorns injury in this hand and a crush yeah. injury in this hand. And they go, how does a crown of thorns crush your hand? Like, no, no, they're two separate incidences. Yeah. I was trying to get my money's worth. You know? Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, um, the spine is still in there. They put me into the emergency, yeah. and they were, it was a really busy day. Chaos everywhere. And so you pulled the spine out of your own finger? No, they gave me a, a fresh doctor who had never done anything like that before. And so <laughs> yeah, this poor girl, she didn't even know what a crown of thorns was, so yeah. I was telling her you know, what, what it was. And, and you know, one of the head doctors, who's a mate of mine, said, Look, just talk her through what needs to happen. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And so... Um, we had to put a tourniquet on and I was yeah. telling him we've got to cut down deep because on the Cranathon spine it's got these little recurve spines so you can't pull it out it's very brittle and it'll snap off so you've got to get yeah. all the way down to the base cut it all the way out basically so I'm sitting there talking to her she's asking me all these questions and um, so give me a, a, a nerve block radial nerve block which didn't really take so I can actually feel it digging away meanwhile I was listening in the cubicle next to me was someone I think it had been a car crash and was in a seriously bad way and there, you know, heaps of people were in there working. And then um, I, I remember all of a sudden feeling a hot flush and just said, Look, just stop for a moment, you know, because it was really hurting. I said, could I have a drink of water? So the doctor went off to get me a drink of water and I was just laying there listening to all the commotion next door. Yeah. And then I heard, he's crashed, get the O2, get the crash cart. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's in a lot of trouble. And then- It was you. Yeah, I realized, once I heard my name being called and then as my eyes opened, everything was on its side because I'd fallen over on the ground and hit my head. And um, it was me. I keeled over. So, yeah. So, was a moral to the story? Yeah, don't use bar- barbecue tongs to collect crown of thorns. Don't, right. don't use them. That's, um, that's the, so or you can wear gloves. Don't use barbecue tongs to pick up a crown of thorns. So, so that's the crown of thorns. And... Um, um, 
what we'd really love to know is would you like to hear uh listener would you like to hear any more of richard's uh hospital stories um and uh, obviously um email us or tweet us on um uh, at andy ridley or do you you're on twitter i can't remember no i don't you must be on some sort of thing with your viral video stuff oh yeah all the we've got biopixel social media Man, stuff out there your, um, i should take your uh your, your twitter handle so that i can actually get some um some followers well there you go, go no, note to self okay so um yeah so crown of thorns but um just to wrap up the crown of thorns story um i think they're they're now putting another eight boats or something out yeah so tender out to go that there's been some controversy over how good or bad um the program is the program is though as i understand it there's been a lot of evolution since uh, yeah i mean the, the controversy has been raised as about when do they stop on a certain reef? So there's a yeah. few people have raised the concern that they move off a reef too early and mm. aren't you know, hitting the crown of thorns to like get basically to do a size reduction. They use a catch per unit effort measurement of when, when they leave. So right. the idea is that if they were not knocking all the crown of thorns off a reef, then you yeah. move to the next one, then those can grow and then yeah, spawn right. and then maybe um, prolonged but a, but a bit of this is to do with you know um, people somewhere else trying to put in sort of KPIs key performance indicators that kind of aren't necessarily relevant or and it's also learning right I mean I think I, I think, think a lot of it's learning to be learned, learned. So I don't right? think you know, people aren't criticising the project mm. it's just how it's measured and, yeah. and that we should be applying science to monitoring its effectiveness long-term effectiveness and yeah, yeah it's like everything it's adaptive management these days as new yeah. technology and new awareness comes up then sure so yeah i think initially a lot of people were a bit upset when the, that was getting criticized but hey everything should be looked at you know yeah it's not through lack of uh, trying to give it a good shot. no not at all um okay so so that's crown of thorns um now the only other thing we're going to talk about and um, we'll probably do this quite briefly because we're we're rabbiting on yeah um, is um, we've got some we've got some big names who've been out in the reef or going out in the reef soon. So uh, I think today they announced that the Prince of Wales is uh, likely to be heading out to the reef after opening the Commonwealth Games. It's um, been and you've taken a celebrity out recently and ran into another one. I, have, I actually used to work for the Prince of Wales as well. Did you? Just interestingly enough, you just dropping names. That's nothing, mate. Honestly. Right. But I, I did. That's because I didn't include that in your introduction, wasn't it? You're well, just subtly putting it in there. I don't want a big deal about it, but um, you did get 15 minutes on your hospital situation. So um, I'm sort of feeling a little bit um, underplayed. So, um, yes, no, I did. Do you want to ask a question? Uh, yeah, who did you take out to the reef recently? <laughs> and who did you meet? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was out with... Um, now we've both very recently, or not so recently, in the last year, we've both taken um, supermodels out of the reef, haven't we? Yes. Um, who did and, you take? Um, well, who did you take? I took Carly Kloss. Carly Kloss is, uh, and what's her what's her gig? Uh, she's one of the Victoria's Secret models. Um, she's co-hosting TV shows now with mm-hmm. Bill Nye, the science guy. Yeah, right. Um, she's a computer coder, like very, right. doesn't she? Very she intelligent. Some thing to get kids coding I yeah think. coding with Clossy. so she's all about getting girls involved in the in the it industry and yeah i had an amazing day with her we went to lady Elliot island and um she was out for she was the big guest of david jones or my i can't remember which one it was yeah. for their big fashion week 
So she was the big name that came out, and while she's here, we she just really lost both of them as a sponsor. Now oh, you realise that. Really? Yeah. Sorry. Um, but she really wanted to learn about the reef and the, and the status of the reef. So um, I was asked to go down and show her around, and yeah. And you gave up your time to do that. Yeah, I, I'm a generous. It's yeah, kind of guy, you know. You know, it's just like you know, take, yeah. taking supermodels out of the reef. But yeah, no, it was, it was great, and she's got millions of followers on her YouTube channel. So she made yeah. they had a whole crew out to shoot a whole um, segment about the, um, the status of the Great Barrier Reef. So I mean, and getting to the youth through something like that, it's great. Getting the fashion. Yeah, and fashion. so who did you take out? Talking well, about good, fashion. Good, good question, Richard. I also took out a supermodel. Uh, to the reef, I went out to Lizard Island, and um, uh, my uh, my friend, who's a supermodel, went out to um, um, Godhole, which is uh, you know. Yeah, say who your supermodel is. Oh, look, do you know what? To be honest with you, it's not actually public uh, knowledge yet. So I'm sort of keeping it under wraps. Really? Mm-hmm. Is that true? Mm-hmm. So I can't push you on this at all. A little bit, but I mean. Oh, really? No. Okay. okay. So who else did you see? Right, okay, 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 okay. Look, it was um, it was uh, it's a really good bloke actually. His name's Jared Scott, and he's one of the top male super, supermodels. And so. Well, we don't um, want to discriminate here. I'm not like male he, and female no, supermodels super out. No, that's exactly right, and um, uh, and he's actually really into his uh, real he life. He yeah, he's, he's from um, shit. I think he's from Melbourne. That's right. He was actually an AFL player. Who really? was spotted by one of the big model agencies, and um, he now lives in New York. And he, he's um, he's um, no, he's he's really knowledgeable. It was really interesting meeting the guy. And um, he was keen. He came out in his own time, his own uh, uh, under his own steam, and uh, we took him out to Lizard, um, and um, we shot shot some great footage, and we're doing some stuff later on in the year with him. Cool. And um, and who did, know, who else was up there at that time? Another celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> so we're out in Lizard, and um, and uh, then Will Smith walks past. So Will Smith's been out. Um, he came out to uh, the Great Barrier to learn to dive. So he's out on Lizard again for three days. And um, there's a great photograph of him with a potato, potato cod. cod. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, and we've got we've got a few more people coming out this year. But but the, the big the big thing with this actually, in fact, uh, they announced it today that uh, Prince of Wales, as I said, was mm-hmm. uh, is coming out in um, April. He's opening for the opening of the Commonwealth Games, so he'll go out on the reef as well. And uh, he's actually also going out to the Daintree uh, rainforest. Um, so I think it's good. I, I really sort of hope that this year we're able to see a lot more people coming out onto the reef, telling the story, seeing what's good, what's bad. And as you said, Richard, it's really nuanced. Hmm. It's um, it's you know the story of it all being dead is um, is massively wrong. Um, the story of there being no problem is massively wrong. Um, it's uh, it's a really nuanced story, and and um, and as we would uh, as we would both agree. It's, you know, probably one of the healthiest reef systems on the planet, just because of the way it's been managed. Um, uh, but it is a canary in the coal mine. So um, the more profile we get, the more we talk about the reef, the more people start to engage in what they can do wherever they are in the world, um, the better. Well, that seems like a really good spot to end this, our nice, first podcast. Nice little wrap up. But um, yeah, no, well, that was fun. All right, so uh, uh, feedback welcome, um, especially if you want to hear more Richard stories uh, uh, based in hospital um, after being hurt by some sort of marine species. But we'll just do a live podcast from the hospital next time we, we do could something. actually give the, the listener a, 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 um, an option. So my favourite one that I've heard recently is Humboldt Squid. 
Um, but I think there's, have you got any more? It's uh, the great white story. Yeah, box jellies, sea snakes, morays, tiger sharks, reefs. Easy to say. It's a shorter list of what I haven't been stung and bitten by. Yeah. Which is um, no stingray, no cone shell, no blue ring. Octopus. Uh, Pretty well. Everything else has, mm, has been done. So, and if you'd like us to arrange for Richard to be uh, stung by one of those missing off the checklist, then that would be great. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you again next week. Thank <laughs> you.